What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. This is a weekly music podcast coming at you every Friday. You can find it on iTunes and Podomatic. And you can also find a Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel uh, with a bunch of in-studio sessions. So check that out as well. DanCablePresents.com is the central location for everything. Uh, we got a great episode in store for you, episode 83. But... Um, yeah, not to start this episode off on on a downer, but I just wanted to uh, just just pay my respects and uh, just say say a few words about a fella and a, and a really important dude that we lost in in our Portland music community. Um, recording this on November first and uh, yesterday, um, we lost Boyd Little who was uh, a founder of Adverse Effects and an incredible musician and um, a person in this music scene that that a lot of people looked up to and, and considered a close friend. And uh, yeah, just, just hurting for, um, you know, the Adverse Effects family. Those guys are just uh, such a wonderful group of dudes and you know i know they're they're hurting for their for their buddy right now and um as well as the entire hive mind collective and you know boyd's family out there uh this dude was such an incredible person and he was um you know i feel very fortunate that over this last year that i've gotten to form a friendship with boyd and he was just someone that i was really looked forward to seeing at shows and just couldn't be a greater guy to to run into randomly at a show just always put a big smile on my face and i don't know just a uh somebody that just welcomed me into his community very quickly and just someone i learned a lot from just about music and um yeah he had this th- this thing about him that just as far as recognizing talent and and uh he seemed to understand music on on a different level and um yeah he was like i said just a big mentor and and inspiration to to a lot of people in this music community and um i'm just thrilled that i got to spend some time with this guy and um Yes, yeah, it's been a it's been a very very surreal day waking up this morning to to hear that news and um kind of left me in disbelief. So um yeah, I I think this is something that will probably come up, you know, in in episodes to follow. I know that you know there'll be a there'll be a proper uh tribute to Boyd in uh 
in some shape or form here on this podcast and 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 many other ways in this community but I definitely you know want to uh to help facilitate sharing some some stories and and things like that and just let people have the opportunity to show some love for Boyd through this podcast um I had the pleasure of having adverse effects on uh pretty much a year ago it was episode 31 so uh check that out get yourself a little insight into the band you know i'm really happy that that i have a nice uh some documentation of getting to hang and um i'm lucky to uh call those guys friends of mine and like i said my heart is is definitely uh just very broken for y'all and um I know how much he meant to you guys. So my heart goes out to Adverse. And like I said, the whole Hive Mind Collective, as well as Boyd's family. And yeah, hope you rest easy, my friend. It was a pleasure pleasure to hang with you. And I know that that you're probably up there banging on some drums with with King Tubby up there. So uh, yeah, man, rest in peace. And uh, much love to you. You you made this uh, this music community better, and uh, yeah, so thank you. Um, yeah, tough tough to transition, I guess, into uh, into this week's episode with all that. You know, it's uh, it can almost seem very you know almost insignificant doing something as goofy as as a podcast when when you know that life is very uh fragile and not uh, not guaranteed but i don't know boyd was someone that uh he inspired me to keep doing what i was doing actually and uh his his encouragement meant a lot and he was uh he was a big supporter of this show and he came out to a lot of like Dan Cable presents live events, and uh, he was just a big supporter of this music scene. And I know that, you know, he would he would want the the show to go on. You know, he's yeah. So this is uh, we got episode eighty three. We got we got Madeline Dowling on the show, the lovely Madeline Dowling from uh, Marmoset Music which is a local uh, local company here in Portland. They are a music licensing company and um, just a very rad space. Madeline invited me down to the uh, Marmoset headquarters and then I got to see the space and we hung out and talked about um, her position there, which she's a music supervisor over at Marmoset. And we just kind of talked about the functions of Marmoset and what all goes on there. And um, I also talked to her about her her journey through music because I think that's a lot about what this podcast is about. I'm just infatuated with uh, with people's journeys and how do they, how they got to where they are. You know, we can only uh, we can only live one life here. You know, you only get to you have choices. And you choose your path, but uh, you know you can't you can't live every every path out. So I think 
I think finding out people's journeys and and how they got to where they are and and whatnot is is very intriguing to me. Just because you know, just kind of living vicariously through these people, or and just finding out like what were the other possibilities, what were the other routes to go. You know, like how did you get to to where you're at? I think it's it's very fun to to find these things out. And um, yeah, Madeline just had a cool story, and I just um, appreciated her attitude. And it's fun to get to see. It's fun and it's it's inspiring to get to see somebody that is in a position at her day job that she gets to go to a job that she really enjoys every day. And that is very inspiring to me. And that is what I aspire to do. Um, and it's... I think it's just uh, it's just nice to get to hear about how somebody can make it in some way in the music industry, and I thought it was it was cool. We talk a little bit about her early introduction into music, and you know how she was involved in in choir, and you know had some. She dabbled in some music, but but kind of realized that that maybe there was a different place for her in, in the music industry and maybe it wasn't as a performer. And, and that resonated a lot with me just because, you know, I've spent some time playing in some bands and, uh, spent a long time with some dudes really trying to, to go for it and, and make some moves through it. And, and I still play some tunes here and there, some, some solo shows myself, but, I don't know. I've always felt like I was a better fan of music. I was always better at that part rather than actually taking part in the performance. And um, so that definitely resonated with me. And yeah, I just enjoyed hanging out with Madeline over there at, at Marmoset. So I appreciate her opening up the doors there and, and giving me a warm welcome. And uh, yeah, we're going to get into it. We used some some tracks off the marmoset catalog you know we talk we we end up talking about kind of how marmoset works and and how they choose songs for certain projects and whatnot and um so we use some songs from uh that that marmoset catalog and we're going to we're going to kick it off this week episode 83 with madeline dowling of marmoset music we're kicking it off with a band called some pulp out of minneapolis minnesota this is some pulp with a song called Spooky Kids. All the kids out on the streets are here again. Yeah. 
Madeline Dowling. That's me. How you doing? I'm super tight. <laughs> super tight. Yeah. Hanging out here at the uh, the Marmoset headquarters in Portland, Oregon. Sharing some waters. Some fresh agua. <laughs> Getting real wild. Um, yeah, I wanted to have you on the podcast to uh, kind of dive into what Marmoset does for, for people that don't know. And um, you're a music supervisor here. And, uh, but before we get into the Marmoset stuff, I just kind of want to, you know, dive into your musical history a little bit and your journey, because that's another reason that I started this podcast, not only to expose people to different artists and, and kind of some music industry folks, but just, I don't know, I'm kind of infatuated by the journey of how people got to where they are and whatnot. So, um, yeah, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Well, I will start by saying I had some dental work done today, and I'm kind of still numb, so if I sound like an idiot, blame the dentist. Uh, I'm from Chicago, (laughs) Illinois. Gloss right over it. Chi-town. I'm from Chicago, Illinois, the actual city, not a burb. Um, And my parents had pretty cool taste in music. Uh, My mom was like a pop music queen, uh, and my dad, you know, was a cool hipster in the 70s. And um, I grew up listening to Elvis Costello and R.E.M. And, you know, people ask me all the time when people ask anyone who works in music all the time, Beatles or Stones. And I uh, always choose the who. Um, oh, nice. Nice. I like which that. Which is uh, thoroughly uh, absorbed from my dad. Um And I also was in this program called the Chicago Children's Choir for 11 years from 7 to 18. Is that 11 years? I don't know. Math. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, Sure. 11, yeah. A lifetime, really. Um, That, so the Chicago Children's Choir is, uh, you know, Children's Choir sounds really boring and stupid, but this thing was cool and focused sort of on world music and um, new music and classical music and all this sort of stuff. So I was sort of, um, and it operates on a pretty professional level. So I was, you know, recording albums and performing at huge events and thought, oh, music is cool. I don't think I'll be a performer, but I really want to be around it forever. And I thought I wanted to be a live engineer. And then I was like, nope, that's not for me. I took a class on that in high school, learned it wasn't for me. Um, And then 
in college, I tried on basically every hat in the music industry. I did uh, eight internships during my undergrad, um, and that's why my grades were <laughs> fine. <laughs> Uh, but so I did, I worked at a couple booking agencies, I worked in music PR, I worked for a promoter, uh, I worked um, for the Grammys for a little bit, um, and someone who I met at the Grammys, uh, not the show at the Grammys, like a, a Grammys when I worked there, <laughs> an event, uh, she and I really hit it off, and she uh, owned a music house that composes music for um, advertising and she was like oh my old assistant is hiring for this job you should apply and I like had a vague idea of what music supervision was but um I had an interview a few days later and got hired and had to work one day a week for several months because I was still in college <laughs> and had to go to classes uh, so I started working um, at an ad, ad agency in Chicago called McGarry Bowen as a music supervisor. Oh, right on. Um, so when your parents were playing music around the house and, and in the car and whatnot, did you did you catch on to that pretty quickly? And oh yeah, yeah. I know backing vocals to every song. <laughs> That's kind of my my weird. Uh, I mean, I know that the lyrics to all the songs in my opinion all the good songs uh, but I really love the backing vocals <laughs> and I sang a lot of the backing vocals in in long car rides and stuff just crushing those harmonies and whatnot. Hell yeah yeah love and a good third <laughs> you start kind of building your own record collection or CD collection then yeah I had a lot of well. CDs lost most of them on a choir trip I left my CD folder thing, whatever, binder in the backseat of uh, a flight on the way to Florida. And that really sucked. But then Napster happened and I was like, who needs CDs? <laughs> Computers are tight. Uh, yeah. And as far as uh, like actual playing an instrument or anything, did anything like that ever happen or was it just the, the singing in the choir? Yeah, I played in a couple bands in high school and college and I liked that and I still like that. Um, I haven't done a ton of it just because I'm new-ish to Portland. I've been here a little over a year um, and most of my time has been like trying to make friends and like be good at my job. So, I mean, now that I'm sort of getting settled, I bought a couch. Like that's how settled I am in <laughs> Portland. So maybe I can start... Uh, doing some musical collaborating right on um yeah was the the chicago music scene pretty vibrant yeah i mean i mean it's all of my contemporaries are the people who are blowing up right now like the kids in the high schools near to mine and in my group of friends are like twin peaks and knee high and chance the rapper and joey perp and vic mensa like that's very cool many of those people went to my high school or like the sister high schools yeah that um, must be wild to <laughs> kind of see someone like chance just blow up yeah. like that and, and yeah i know i said that i wasn't at the grammys when I was telling that story, but I, I do go to the Grammys cause I'm a weirdo and I love to dress up. Um, but seeing chance win best new artist, like I cried buckets. That's so killer. It was amazing. Um, he's like the first independent artist to, mm -hmm. to ever win that award yeah, too, which no is label. very cool. Yeah. And yeah, I got to see him a couple weeks back at the, uh, life is beautiful fest in, in Vegas. And cool. it was 
it was super amazing. I was such a big fan of Acid Rap when it came out, and yeah, he's just such a good dude. He's a magic angel, baby, <laughs> and I love him to pieces. Um, yeah. What did What did you do like for the Grammys when you were when you were working there? I was. It was just one of my last internships. I uh, was basically working with. Um, the membership coordinators to um, make sure that all of our members were being served in the way that we wanted to serve them and to get people signed up and um, doing a lot of artist um, like outreach and professional development for them. So I was sort of, you know, the gopher, um, but it was a really cool way to see. Um, I feel like that was one of the times that I saw like working musicians where it was their career and they knew they were never going to be Justin Bieber um, but they could still like make a career out of being an artist. And I thought that was really cool. Right on. And as far as for yourself, um, I know you mentioned like even doing the choir stuff that, that you kind of realized that, that maybe that wasn't going to be your lane professionally, but did you always kind of have the desire to, to work in music from a pretty early age? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I knew that I didn't want to be a performer and I think part of that was that I have other skill sets and things that I enjoy that aren't exercised by being an artist and you know just working at a boring office sounds terrible. <laughs> I just I remember when I was had one of my first internships and I thought I just want a cool office job with like the best perks and then I had that very quickly and I was like oh shit like what's my next goal? Like, cause when I worked at, I worked, um, it was an intern at secretly Canadian Jag Jaguar and dead oceans. Oh, man. Um, Jag for a couple Jaguar. Years. That's, that's, uh, that's definitely top labels for me right there. If there, if there's yeah. uh, like a top five for me, there, there may be number one or, oh, or yeah. right up there. <laughs> so they're the best. And I just, I got to go to all of their artists shows for free and I got to take home CDs every week. And I was like, God, I've really, I've made it. <laughs> And I was, uh, yeah, 18. Uh, so I think from, from there it was about like owning in on what specific part of music I wanted to work in. I've um, basically liked every internship I had. Every internship I had, I was like, oh, maybe I want to be a booking agent or maybe I want to be a talent buyer because I liked it all. And then when I started this job in music supervision, I finally was like, oh, yeah, this makes so much sense. I know every jingle from every commercial and like I know every like iconic use of a song in a commercial and I like it doesn't bug me like it bugs so many people. Like I I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Just geeking out on uh on on jingles and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. I love them. Yeah, I had a friend um a, a guy who actually used to work out of the studio and had a band here in Portland for a long time. His name is Adam Brock and he had a band called old wave and he's kind of since moved to Los Angeles, but his, his day job, you know, was, was writing jingles. And I just always thought that was so cool to be able to, you know, like support yourself by. <laughs> it is cool. There was like a real turning point in music where it became cool to quote unquote sell out. Um, and I think it sort of went hand in hand with the digital music revolution. Like I hate to say that combination of words, but it's a thing. Uh, it's a thing. <laughs> and when people realized that they weren't going to be able to make money by selling records anymore, they needed alternate revenue sources. And so being able to align yourself 
with a brand and like get them to fund your whole tour is just like something you couldn't dream of um, when you had these the record sales as a revenue stream. So it really sort of changed people's minds. Yeah, for sure. Well, it seems like it's very cool that you kind of recognize quickly what you wanted to do as far as like being involved in music some way. And I don't know, I definitely can relate to uh, maybe not feeling like the performance side is, is your lane. Cause I don't know, I do a little bit of both. I do some, some songwriting and whatnot, but I feel like most comfortable, I think on this side of things and, and kind of like being a music connoisseur or just somebody that's like trying to uh spread the love of of like what's going on around me and what you know i mean the best part of my job is like cutting a paycheck to artists like that's what's so satisfying is like uh when I like someone responds back to me after I'm like, you're, we're using your song and it's sometimes I'm dealing directly with artists and the artists will be like, great, you just paid my rent for a whole year. And that's like the most exciting thing for me and what makes my job so awesome. Yeah. It's super cool. Um, and I don't know. I just always felt like I was a better music fan than, than I was at actually like doing it myself, you know, take some real (laughs) self-awareness to recognize that and I admire that for sure and uh, you know I'm still I'm still taking some swings at it and and playing some shows here and there but now I love a good karaoke night (laughs) I'm a great singer I don't know if you heard I was in a choir for a long time crushing in the choir (laughs) you're singing backup vocals so all your favorite I sang on one commercial so far for a Canadian insurance company and it was fine (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing did it end with like a or uh, no, it was. A, uh, did you have to say a boot a lot? <laughs> it was just singing a popular song that I don't know if I can talk about it or not. So I'm not going <laughs> to. That's a good move. Cover my butt. That's wise. That's wise. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's get into a little musical break here. Tight. We're going to play a song by uh, Danielle Grubb. She's the best. And uh, she's out of Dallas, Texas. And she's got kind of this uh, this cool pop sound that seems to be like influenced by all this this funk and, and groovy kind of stuff. So this is uh, this is a song called uh, "Ready Set Go" off a Danielle Grubb album called uh, Saturn. You can find it on Bandcamp. And uh, this is it. If this city don't make me Figure it out, baby, it's alright We're gonna be alright Cause I already know you mean myself and I Baby, it's alright We're gonna be alright If the city don't set me free Then goddamn it'll get me ready Cause I don't know who to believe But goddamn, you're holding me steady To keep you around Baby, slow down We're in the right place 
Cool. That was uh, Ready, Set, Go from Danielle Grubb. Um, so you're in Chicago, and then and then you moved to L.A. from Chicago? Yeah. So I was uh, in Chicago working in um, advertising, music for advertising, for two years. Um, and I thought, wow, this is great. Uh, but there's, like, a lot of other things in music supervision that you can do. Uh and so I started, you know, was checking out what the other options were. I've always thought film and TV would be cool. And then I got a call one day um, from Chop Shop Music Supervision, sort of a legendary music supervision company based in Los Angeles, and said, uh, one of our people is going on maternity leave. Would you move out here to work for two months? And I was like, ooh. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes, I would. I mean, this is like the dream offer. I just wish it was not for two months, but you take what you can get. I was still young and hungry. I'm still young and hungry, starving. Uh, <laughs> and so I moved across the country for uh, two months of work, which actually turned into four months because it was pilot season. But so I worked for a while there on Grey's Anatomy and How to Get Away with Murder, Scandal, iZombie, Lucifer, Rad. Uh, a dozen other shows probably. So I did that for a while. And then I had another freelance gig working on Empire, Quantico, and Power, the 50 Cent show. Oh, 50. <laughs> Love them. Love Curtis. <laughs> uh, and then after that, I worked on a couple of reality TV shows that I won't name for a little bit. And Marmoset finally called me, um, who I'd been a client of theirs for a long time. And, you know, loved all the people here. And they were like, what are you up to? And I was like, I don't know. Freelancing is really hard. <laughs> and they were like, cool. What do you think of Portland? And I'd never been here. So they brought me up. And I was like, Portland's cool. Marmoset's cool. Yeah, okay, I'll work here. So right I moved on. about six weeks after that. And it's been great. So when you were working on all the television shows, what, what were you doing for them? Um, so my role was music coordinator, which is sort of, sort of assistant ish to the music supervisor. Um, when you're switching between advertising and TV, there's like some crossover, but I essentially sort of had to start entry level again. Um, so I was, you know, doing a little bit of creative, doing a lot of legal and negotiating stuff, sort of cursory, um, uh, doing a lot of research on copyright and rights holders and just basically making the music supervisor's life easier, um, helping them uh, keep everything organized and also being like, hey, this song's cool. Have you heard this song? It's cool. Uh, so trying to be the bird in their ear um, was basically my major role there. For sure. And now being here at Marmoset, you're kind of more in that position to be actually picking those those tunes and, and finding those artists. Yeah, totally. So I sort of have a specialized role at Marmoset. Um, Marmoset represents about 700 uh, independent artists. 
uh, who we pitch for placements in advertising and film and TV and video games and new media, whatever's. Um, and I sort of specifically focus on stuff, um, outside of our roster. So that's totally fine. No one's going to hear it. Um, I focus on stuff that's not on our roster. Uh, so if a client's just like, I want a cool song and I don't necessarily need it to be from Marmoset, I sort of get the free reign to go off of, uh, off our catalog and find any cool song or they can say, I want Bruno Mars. And I'm like, great. You can't afford Bruno Mars, but <laughs> I'll give it a shot. Uh, yeah. It's it's pretty much the best. So are you working with uh, a lot of independent or unsigned artists then when when you're making those placements? or? Um, typically when it's... I'm just going to consider this for a minute. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> Take a minute. Yeah. So, yeah, most of um, Marmoset's artists are maybe not most, but many of Marmoset's artists are unsigned independent artists. Um, and so I'm, I'm pitching them for placements every day. Um, it's harder to work directly with artists when you're doing uh, stuff that we don't represent just because um, there's a lot of trust required and it helps to already like have a relationship with someone who might have um, like a team. So, you know, I, as much as it's, uh, sort of snobby to work with major labels, it's so easy to work with major labels because they, all they do all day is clear songs. Uh, and I love that, but also when the song's great and you believe in an artist, like it's worth taking the time to hold someone's hand a little bit and really, bring them along and bring them up to speed on the business aspects that need to be in place to make sure that my client doesn't have, uh, any, uh, risk of litigation. For sure. Um, so as far as the, the Marmoset roster, is that usually where you're trying to pull the music from or the, the artists that you're trying to get the music from then? I mean, it's, uh, we have a great roster and it's awesome, but it's also about serving the brief and serving the client and serving the spot. So if the commercial is calling for one hit wonders between 1986 and 1992, Marmoset doesn't have a ton of that. And so that's when it's helpful to be in my position, be able to go outside the catalog, outside the roster and, uh, license. I just died in your arms tonight by cutting crew for a grocery store commercial cool cool and i mean licensing is just like one of the i don't know i feel like one of the few ways that that people can survive making music these days um is that is that accurate like it's a big contributor to especially an independent artist these days it's a great possibility but uh actually i was talking to uh Portia from Kill Rock Stars yesterday. I just had her on the podcast. She's great. Um, and she she said something I was like, oh, that's such a great way of looking at it. I'm going to say that all the time, which is that uh, getting a great placement is like being struck by lightning. Uh, that it could happen. And if it happens, it would be really impact you. Uh, but it's not super likely. Um being open to smaller budgets is really helpful for independent artists because, you know, most bands signed to a major label probably won't license for less than $20,000. Um, 
I mean, there's a lot of variables there, but that's sort of a, just to give you an idea. But if you're willing to do a $2,000 license and you're just psyched that it's going to, you know, pay your rent for a little bit or buy you some groceries, if you're not counting on it to like pay your team, like you, there's definitely opportunities. For sure. And, and mostly you're just, you're working with people trying to make placements for commercials and as well as like movies and, and film and yeah our bread and butter is advertising but we definitely um have had some uh great placements and success in film and tv and video games um and obviously the the commercials and your your knowledge of all those jingles and like yeah. what works is is <laughs> why you're good at what you do and, and able to recognize what might work yeah i mean a huge part like music supervision is like seen as being very glamorous and like some parts of it are really fucking cool and some parts of it are really boring and awful. Um, but so people ask me all the time, like what makes a good music supervisor? And my number one thing is being able to put your own taste aside. Um, because sometimes, you know, a modern country song is the perfect, song for a commercial and like that's not what I listen to in my free time but like being able to sort of turn off my snob uh switch and figure out like what is what is good objectively and what is good for the spot um just being yeah being able to put your own taste aside is really important in finding the best way to like serve your client and serve the spot and just you know what's best for the project yeah, for sure. I think also it's sometimes it's just like about trying to understand some music maybe that, that you're not super uh, totally. into, you know, and just like trying to appreciate what is good about those things. For sure. I mean, there's tons of bands that I don't like, but I respect. And I guess that's that's the difference for me. Um, or like, I guess the box that I need to have checked before I even want to pursue something for licensing is that I, I want to respect what the artist is doing. Um, even if it's not what I'm queuing up on my Spotify for the drive home. Yeah, for sure. Um, is Marmoset also working with, do you find that you're working with a lot of artists that their, their bread and butter is just making these types of, of songs, like people that are just producing music to, to get licensing opportunities? There are some of those, um, most of those people are like full-time composers who work with a bunch of different companies, um, being able to pay your bills consistently and all of them, uh, with licensing is pretty rare. Uh, a lot of bands, it's just, they're not big enough to have a team. And so they're like, great. Marmoset's a perfect option for us because, uh, we'll put them up for lower budget projects that, you know, major labels scoff at because we know that, X number of dollars is going to make a difference to them no matter what. And sort of, um, yeah, that's sort of the level that a lot of our artists are at, that they're not looking for this to mean they can quote unquote rest on their laurels and just see the money roll in. Um, but it's definitely a great supplement for a lot of people. And, uh, Marmoset also has an in-house studio and engineers and composers as well, right? Yeah, we have a whole original music team. We have two on-site daily um, composers, and then we have a roster of probably, I think, around 30 composers that we go to regularly when jobs come up. 
So those circumstances are like an ad agency comes to us and they say, we want a song that's anthemic and inspiring and we want the harp to come in when the kid winks and when the bear smiles, we want to hear chimes. Um, and that's the cheesiest thing I've ever said in my life. Um, it's a solid example, though. but yeah, Sim- simple. You, gets I'm the point painting across. with words. It's a podcast. Yeah. So they <laughs> are like at that point, are they kind of literally have this film playing while they're like plugging away at this, this type of stuff? Sometimes. Then? Yeah. Our dream is to be brought into projects as early as possible. That doesn't always happen. Sometimes um, it's just like the, here's the picture we've shot everything the visual effects are all done. The graphics are all done here. Put some music to it. Um, ideally we like to be involved earlier so that there's not such a time crunch because it's a real, it's really lame to feel like, uh, music's the last, last part of the puzzle. Um, because it is so important and it resonates with people so much that it, we, we want to work with clients who have more time and more gravity to give to it. Uh, so that's that's the dream. That being said, we do projects all the time where music is the last thought, and we're like, great, we'll do it. We're happy to give our composers a chance at getting a payday because, I mean, that's, you know, what makes everything worth it is letting people survive for make, making cool art. Yeah, and it just seems, I don't know, it just seems very cool to to kind of have all that stuff in-house so you can – kind of just a one-stop shopping baby. yeah absolutely <laughs> you want a bruno mars song we'll get it for you you want a danielle grubb song we'll get it for you you want a song that doesn't exist man we'll get it for you <laughs> um what would be what's like the first step for an artist that was would maybe be interested in in trying to like work with a marmoset or a, a licensing company uh the first step is to make sure whenever you're recording you cut an instrumental version of your song. <laughs> There's so many artists that um, I would love to work with. And they're like, I don't have an instrumental version and I don't have the um, session open anymore. So I can't get it to you. And I'm like, great. Well, probably 80% of what I license is instrumental. So that's the first step is uh, keep your sessions and print stems uh, and just make sure your stuff was well organized because if a client comes to us and it's like, I need the horns taken out because women 20 to 28 who are watching this commercial hate horns. They don't fuck with horns. They don't fuck with horns. <laughs> uh, I fuck and with if, horns. if we can't take the horns out of your song, you're probably going to lose it. Um, so that's the first step. Um, so just kind of have a very open canvas, like have your, have your final song, but also be able to make adjustments to that song. So yeah, and make if, sure you have your stem files kind of sure. in place and whatnot. And if you are totally precious and you don't want to change anything, that's also fine. But you just have to know that the opportunities aren't going to be as plentiful if there's no flexibility. So that's the first step is just having great assets. And then, uh, we have an A&R team who all they do all day, not all they do, they do so much. <laughs> what they do Don't all day. Yeah, love You're those guys. You're speaking for the whole company now. <laughs> this is terrifying. <laughs> uh, I'm fired. Um, what they do is look for holes in our catalog, holes in our roster requests we're getting that we're having trouble fulfilling, um, and find artists that meet those needs and signing them all day 
um, making sure the best songs from those artists are the ones that are live on the website, making sure that my team, the music supervision team is aware of all of them. Because if I don't know that Daniel Grubb is on the roster, I can't pitch Daniel Grubb, uh, lots of stuff like that. So we, so we have a, I wish I knew what the email was, but it's on the website. It's on the website. It's on the website. Submit, Do a right? little work. Yeah. You can submit. We listen to everything. We won't get back to you right away, but we will get back to you. Uh, there's a huge, you know, as you can imagine, there's a huge backlog of people who think licensing is their ticket to a high rise. Uh, so there's a lot of people uh, in the queue, but they do listen to everything uh, and try to give feedback if they have time. So that's, that's a thing. You can also uh, research, you know, other licensing companies. We're not the only place. And if we pass on your stuff, maybe another place won't, and maybe they'll get you some great stuff. So um, just, yeah, doing good research of places that might, um, you might fit well in their catalog is a great idea and sending sort of like a non-threatening <laughs> email of like, Hey, here's my music. You can stream it and download it. Um, I think I might be good for X, Y, and Z, but don't pretend like you know everything if you don't know everything because people hate that. Um, but it is good to be like, I've done a little bit of research and I've noticed that my kind of music is licensing well for laundry detergent. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So showing that you're down to make an effort, um, but that you know you're not the expert and that's why you're not repping your own stuff uh, is a crucial way to like get someone's ear i think yeah showing that you've done some sort of research yeah help yourself before you ask for help yeah keeping keeping it short and sweet at the same time totally and then also just making sure that the the files are either either easy to download and stream or or both is probably the the best way to go yes i was at uh a songwriter's conference a few weekends ago and i'm i'm not very picky about how submissions come to me but everyone else on the panel is like only box.com we hate dropbox like people had so many <laughs> opinions hate, i was like we hate dropbox God. that's amazing yeah that's my new album i'm name. with you dropbox. dropbox give me your sponsorship <laughs> uh so there's no one sure way to um make everyone happy but it sounds like box is a very popular delivery method okay uh so just yeah that's good <laughs> I hear you though, as far as like people's gripes about how, how people submit things and whatnot. Like, when you get hundreds of submissions a day to your inbox, you get excited about the ones that are done well. And uh, if even if the music's crap, you're like, ah, oh, but they, they did everything I wanted them to. And so if they send you better music next time, like, I don't know, it's just making it easy for the person who gets hundreds of emails to like your stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't, I, I definitely don't get hundreds of emails a week or, or a day, but I definitely get like my fair share of inquiries now about bands or artists that, that want to come on the show. Totally. And I'm usually paying attention to the ones that know what they're like inquiring about. Sure. You know? Cause so, like, yeah. I don't know. I get so many emails that are like, Hey man, we want to do your TV show. And it's just like, I don't have a TV yeah. show. I have a podcast that has a YouTube <laughs> channel. Like, and it, it's just, it's just funny. Yeah, I feel it's just like a respect thing of like you want someone to take the time to listen to your music and give you the time of day. And for that interaction to go well, you need to take the time to like make it easy for them to do so. For sure. Um, can you kind of talk about uh, 
the culture that's been uh, cultivated by by Ryan Wines, who's oh the, the founder of this thing, along with Brian Hall. It's the best. <laughs> I, lo- I love I working at Marmoset. I guess you have to be pretty diplomatic. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, no. I'm totally being candid right now. For I sure. love working here. Um, we have this list of like core values and what our purpose is, and it's all a little bit culty, but like in the best possible way. Um, Marmoset's purpose is community. And that's like, you know, it's not dollars. It's not looking cool. It's like building a cool community. And that's an amazing you know, phrase to appear in a business plan. Um, there's also like a list of, you know, people we want to work at Marmoset. Uh, and it's like, you've got to have fire in the belly. You've got to be humble. Sit down. Kendrick Lamar reference. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Throwing thank out you. The Kung Fu also Kenny. a stand-up comedian. Um, so there's a bunch of things. And talent and experience is on the list, but it's also the last thing on the list. Um, which is really cool. We're really into building people up from the ground up. A huge chunk of people at Marmoset started as interns. Um, and we're like, you've got all the, you've got the fire in the belly. You've got the desire to learn and grow. You've got the humility and we can give you the talent and experience, but it's harder to teach someone to like be humble. Yeah, for sure. Um, so they've just done, an excellent job uh, curating the people here. If I do say so myself, it's really funny. Um, like my grandma will call me and say, have you made any friends in Portland or are you making lots of new friends? I'm like, Oh, I only hang out with like two people who don't work at Marmoset because I just like everyone here so much. And it makes it like I wake up in the morning and I'm psyched to come to work because I want to hang out with my friends and like do a badass job. No, that's super cool. That's that's the dream. Like yeah. that's it's I feel like it's pretty rare that people have that sort of attitude going to their jobs, you know, and I think, you know, as as the podcast is kind of gone on and that's that's definitely one of the things that I want to to like highlight and make people aware of that like these types of opportunities and jobs are, are available yeah. and they're, they're out there, you know, if, if you uh, want to work towards these types of things, <laughs> cause I don't know, I was talking to, to somebody, I think it was, yeah, I was talking to Portia about that and, yeah. and just about, I don't know. I just feel like it's not very encouraged to like kind of walk down this road, whether it's as an artist or somebody just trying to be in the industry and there, there are ways to, to get in. Yeah. Well, and the thing is too, that, the music industry is presented as like so slimy and like maybe historically it was, but there are so many people doing good in the music industry right now. And no one is like, you know, that's not news. So no one's writing long essays about all the great people in the music industry. And that's fair. Um, But it, it stinks that that's a perception when there are uh, so many great opportunities. And I mean, uh, on the culture uh, question you were asking another cool thing that we do is you know the culture internally at Marmoset is great and then the community that we're building outside of it is also really cool we do these um, artist education events where we'll bring in some speakers we'll put together a little agenda and we'll give some p- people in the community they don't have to be our artists they don't have to be affiliated with Marmoset just people who want to come and learn um, can come and learn and that's been really awesome for me. It's actually been a way that I have met people who don't work at Marmoset to become my friend. Um, 
and so yeah it's you know portland is somewhat of an advertising hub um so there's some community here but there's a big focus on just like your geographic community your artist community all of those things and serving them and like that's so cool and i've never worked at a place like that yeah for sure i think i don't know it's just like one of those things that i observed just walking in the doors i know it's not business hours but there's still a few people hanging around hanging and out I th- drinking I think hot that, toddies you know i think that's even very telling though of like what the environment is here to to like walk into a place where maybe people are done working and they're just kind of hanging out and it's just a very cool workspace yeah it's the best when the um right when i moved to portland and i didn't have a couch or a tv I would just stay at work and like lay on the couch and take down our giant um, projector screen and watch TV at work. Cause I was like, I don't have a couch. It's comfortable here. There's beer on tap. Why would I ever leave? That's super <laughs> rad. <laughs> um, yeah. And you, you talked about, you know, Marmoset is interested in, in building community with um, here in Portland. Um, is there, is there any priority to, to seek out Portland artists to be on the roster? Is that play into it at all? Or is it is it just really whoever fits the bill the best? Uh, I think it started out as very Northwest-centric. And we've sort of um, since then grown into, you know, we have artists in Argentina. We have artists in Mali. We have a ton of artists from Norway. Um, but we do sort of have a Northwest slant to it just because, you know, everyone on our at our company are music fans and you know they go to see bands at the liquor store on saturday night and bring them in and say oh my god this band was so great and our team check it out so i think just by virtue of where we are and that we're all music fans and are excited about giving bands opportunities for revenue um there are a ton of northwest bands and just that marmoset has such a reputation in the area that it's the first stop for a lot of bands who are getting their feet wet in the licensing world. Very cool. Uh, is David Katz still working? He is. Yeah. I've had him on the podcast, actually. I know. Yeah, yeah. He came and played some jams as as Out the Door. Yeah. His, uh, He's his the best project. dude. It's his He's, birthday. It's his birthday today? No. Oh, well, <laughs> so, I got really excited. Sorry, I just Happy birthday, you. David. <laughs> Happy birthday anyway. I don't care. I don't care. You can check out the Out the Door episode. That was a while ago. I can't even... I have no idea what number that is. It's, it's got to be in the twenties. Within 20s. the year, uh, possibly. I it's when I it happened while I worked at Marmoset. Okay, cool. So I know that. That's right. Um, I think we will we'll end with with this. Uh, what is your from all your experiences that you've had this far? What like what is your takeaway from this? And like what is what's kind of keeping you uh, grinding on this path? Uh, I think it's just that I love music and I love the people who love music. The, you know, I love all my coworkers and that's great, but I also just love the people in the music community in general. And it's, I just burped. Uh, yeah, you did. We're not <laughs> ed- editing totally that cool. out. <laughs> There's another <Yeah>. one. <laughs> uh, I got too heartfelt and then I just had to burp. Uh, it's just so much fun to talk about music for my job. Um, and I guess that's my takeaway is that the relationships are the best thing. If I quit working in music tomorrow and decided to be a high school teacher or something, 
I'd still be friends with so many of the people that I work with every day. And that's what's so exciting. Yeah. And like you mentioned before, I would imagine that feeling is, is amazing to, you know, let somebody know that, you know, you just got them a big deal. And for, yeah. for like somebody that's maybe on the independent level or unsigned, that's, that's such a big deal to them to, you know, pay their rent for the month or pay for their groceries. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, um, actually when I was working in TV, I worked on a couple pilots and so, but I'd stopped working on the shows by the time they got picked up and I'd, would start seeing um, my friends' bands on Facebook be like, I guess one of our songs is going to be on a CW show tonight. I'm like, oh my God, I pitched that a year ago. I didn't know it went final. So like I found out the same time they did, which I was like, oh, I wish I sort of got to do that all the time, be surprised by it and not see all the working pieces. But it's very cool. Yeah, it's so rad. It's funny when you you find uh, music in like maybe independent films or TV shows or you actually like do some research and and a lot of times you do find out that these people are like, you know, not very big yeah. nationally. Maybe they have a small following from where yeah. they're at, but it's just, uh, it's there's cool. a particular show on the CW that has a lot of bands from Bloomington, Indiana in it. <laughs> and it's not set in Bloomington, Indiana, <laughs> just nice. where I went to college. Nice. Well, uh, I appreciate you hanging out and, totally. and chatting with me about all this. It's yeah. been, been cool to, uh, get to hear about your, your musical journey. Oh boy. And uh, get to learn more about Marmoset. Yeah, it's been a blast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the the tagline. Oh, cool. I can't wait. Well, I hope you did your homework. Nope. You have to say it on the... St- <laughs> I'm just kidding. What is it? it no, it's... it's uh, this podcast is good. I like is that, that it? I mean, that... I don't know. Maybe a little more conviction <laughs> if, that's, if that's what it's going to be. But uh, the tagline for the podcast is, it's a program. It's a program. You nailed it. She killed it. Hell yeah, I did. That's Madeline. Hire me for your voiceovers. Madeline Dowling from Marmoset Music. Um, We're going to play it out with a song, an instrumental jam. Oh, hell yeah. That I really Love a good instrumental. Uh, This is Michael Zoa. Oh, yeah. And from what I understand, he is a Portland native or or at least resides here. Sure is. I've seen him on Tinder. Wow. Oh, no. I just outed him. (laughs) Sorry, Michael Zoa. He's on Tinder. He's on Tinder. Swipe right, guys. Swipe right. He's Swipe a, right on this song. He's a he's a killer producer, and um, just this is such a fat instrumental. I dig this song so much. Uh, this is called "Hang Back." Hang back, you got it. I got you it. know what's going on. This is Michael <laughs> Zoa, Portland. We will catch you on the flip side.
It's a program.